Welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast, where we talk to C-level leaders from across the payments landscape. We'll be discussing the products and services that impact the payment space today, as well as trends and predictions for the future of payments. We will also hear stories from our guests about their journeys to the top. The commerce overlay on top of the orchestration aspect of that allows us to evolve in a world where we can focus on more so the experience with the underlying orchestration being a part of that as needed, right, for any one audience. And so although it requires orchestration in order for, you know, us to perform from an experience perspective, I would say that, you know, we will probably go a step beyond just being an orchestrator and saying, here, here are all the tools, go and do what you wish with them. That was Ben Jenkins, the CTO of Aptech. Ben, along with Brian Guy, the SVP of Product and Experiences at Aptech, are my special guests on this episode, episode 199 of the Leaders in Payments podcast, and I'm your host, Greg Myers. Brian comes to you from the city most known for rain, Seattle, Washington, and Ben comes from the city most known for chocolate, Hershey, Pennsylvania, and somehow they both ended up with a passion for disruptive innovation and technology advancement. Aptech is a payments technology company that offers two core technology products, payments as a service and banking as a service. When asked about their competitive advantage, both Ben and Brian agree that their UX offering is one of the most significant distinguishers in the space. We go on to talk about their journey to Aptech and where they see the industry going in the next two to three years, including cashierless technology, low-code, no-code solutions, businesses in a box, and embedded banking. We've got a great episode ahead, so let's get started. Hi, Ben and Brian. Thank you for being here, and welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast. Thanks for having us. Appreciate you having us on. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and dive right in. Ben, let's start with you. Tell our audience a little bit about yourself, maybe where you grew up, where you went to school, where you currently live, a few things like that. Sure. Well, I appreciate you asking. So interesting note, I was born in Hershey, Pennsylvania, so I have an affinity for chocolate. From there, my uh, family is in the uh, education space, so I follow that path with uh, our family. And, you know, I'm a big fan of the Tar Heels, uh, having grown up in, in Chapel Hill for my younger years back when Jordan was there. And then I moved over to Illinois where my dad took a new job. So I grew up, you know, kind of my college years and, and everything in Illinois and kind of hence why I, I uh, attended Southern Illinois University, uh, two branches of that for both my undergrad and grad degrees. Okay. And Brian? Yeah, born and raised Seattle, Washington, the rainy city, as everyone <laughs> refers to it. And my background, you know, predominantly played sports throughout my my life, always tinkering with technology and, and love, love of uh, science fiction, if you will. Attended Seattle Pacific University, got a finance degree, ended up moving on to Seattle University where I got a law degree with a focus on uh, business. And then spending the kind of currently spending most of my time in the uh, Vancouver Vancouver, Canada, and Seattle, Washington, rail, if you will. Okay. Well, let's talk about the company, Aptech. So, Ben, why don't you you start this one, and Brian, feel free to jump in. But can you tell our audience what Aptech does? Sure. So, you know, just, I guess, backing up to a little bit of history, Aptech's been around since 2013, and um, as a part of that, has been heavy in the uh, merchant processing space when it was founded. From that perspective, Aptech also believes in in technology and for that reason have had acquired patents in the past and continues to do so as we speak. So those patents are the original patents that were acquired are essentially the basis for, you know, mobile to mobile payments, text payment technology 
And more recently, there have been some patents acquired that have to do with geolocation technologies in app. So I'd say, you know, grounded on the side of technology, grounded on the side of growth of that technology with a merchant processing play back, you know, when it was founded, I would say that evolved over the years as the industry evolved, as we've all seen, moving from, you know, kind of processing to more of the embedded payments, you know, aspect of what we've seen with technology and, and kind of the, the shift and move in the industry. So as Aptech was moving and shifting in that direction, that's where the more recent years have begun to kind of shift its position in the market around, you know, kind of moving towards a SaaS model. And so that's, I guess, the beginning of where I was currently working with them on some opportunity to evolve in that space. And then that's where Brian and I came together as we put in, you know, put our hats into the consulting arena with Aptech in 2021. And then that evolved into Brian, myself and a, and a bunch of others uh, coming in full time with Aptech at the end of 2021 into 2022 here. So um, that's a little bit of the evolution of where Aptech was and, and now where they, they you know, are headed when it comes to that, which we'll, I'm sure, get into in more detail as we go through this. Okay. Brian, anything to add to that? No, I think Ben captured it pretty well. I'll, I'll say and we put together a very cross-functional team of uh, engineering folks. I've spent my entire career in product management. Ben as well. Uh, we had a few other folks in the finance sector come and join this executive management team to really help transform the company from, as Ben noted, kind of a merchant services IP acquisition company into a full-fledged SaaS and fintech organization. So it's been a pleasure working with Ben and the rest of the team and then the original leadership of Aptech to really take this transformation to the next level and and launch commerce, which I'm sure we'll get into here shortly. Okay. So Brian, are there certain verticals that you guys serve or is it more kind of payment processing SaaS model across the board? At this stage, it's across the board. We're definitely looking to find our differentiation by focusing on a, a number of verticals, you know, um, SMB, retail, hospitality, home services, Eventually, in some cases, enterprise, the way that the platform has been developed to date, it's very flexible in nature in the delivery of its services. So this year coming up, again, is a real focus on launch and learning, listening to customers. In our current portfolio, we continue to get folks outside of our current portfolio asking for what we could possibly do for them and solving some of their pain points. So I think as we kind of roll out in this year and and the platform continues to mature at a rapid pace, we'll, we'll get, begin to hone in on those verticals. Okay, okay. So I think, Brian, you mentioned commerce, so I don't know if, Ben, if you want to talk about that a little bit, or, or Brian, whichever, whoever wants to take that. Sure, I can touch on it, and then I think Brian can overlay with some of his you know, additional commentary. So when we were going through this process, as Brian mentioned, the transformation, and, and you know, with all the experience in fintech and other SaaS platforms that we bring to the table, it's apparent that commerce is a fit for the purpose of, of what we're trying to accomplish and how we look at this. So if you look at the overall fit here, we have, you know, our core technologies, right? So that that is, you know, payments as a service, banking as a service, and, and being able to use that core to our advantage to help us then uh, build upon that and create, you know, these commerce experiences that overlay or lay on top of, of the core technology is really what we're looking to do, given, as Brian mentioned, you know, those that are in the conversations with us and different industries that we're looking at where, you know, there's still a pretty greenfield opportunity to support and serve 
many of these verticals and everyone in between, both, you know, from a fintech perspective, but also from a, a pure kind of omni-channel experience as well. So that's that's truly kind of at the base level what that commerce stack, you know, is set out to do. And then I'll, I'll kind of kick it over to Brian for, you know, an overlay on that. Yeah, it's actually a perfect word, overlay. Where our differentiation is going to come effectively is what was announced, I guess, about a month ago now at Money 2020, which is our commerce experiences as a service, which is effectively an abstraction layer over the top of what I would say is a number of verticals and industries that have disparate systems lacking integration. We will then come over the top of that to provide that connectivity between their existing systems to create what is one of our uh, trademarks being seamless commerce experiences. So you you think of DXPs, you know, similar to like an Adobe Commerce, Sitecore, a few of the other players out there. We'll take a slightly different approach. We're not going to come in quite as, uh, we'll call it heavy-handed, for lack of a better term. Our integration will be, again, a thinner layer, but a layer that creates that integration that's missed by a number of uh, industries and, again, sectors that are missing that integration. Okay, and then is your sort of business model, is it SaaS-based or transaction fee-based or a little bit of both? Yeah, I'll go ahead and hit on that. So by way of the fact that we're exploring multiple verticals and having deep dive discovery discussions and, and other things as we pushed out commerce and continue to look at, you know, landing and expanding in terms of what our technology showcases and how we do it. You know, I think it's going to have, it's going to be a blended model, right? I think that when you look at the fees, you know, and the pricing and how things will take place, you know, I would see it as, as over time, you know, multiple products built off of that core and the ability to then, you know, charge fees for that based on both platform fees as well as uh, transactional fees as we see fit. And then kind of to what Brian said, the fintech being core to this and, you know, payments and certain aspects of banking, such as, you know, virtual card solutions or other things. There are, as you know, plenty of transaction fees that are involved in any of those models. And then there are the aspects of things that we will add on to the uh, the commerce layer, in my opinion, that would not necessarily just be the core payment itself, right? Things that are additive to the payment then may facilitate the payment, for instance, or a pay in or pay out capability, but not necessarily the function of driving the actual dollars. That's what surrounds kind of the core of the fintech piece, because as Brian mentioned, you know, some of those verticals that are missing some core solutions or missing core opportunities that we can do to, to build that omni-channel experience, um, you know, I think it's going to blend beyond just core payment or core banking. Okay, okay. And are you sort of positioning it as like an orchestration layer or do you want to not position it as that? That's a great question given the uh, orchestration buzzword in the industry and everything else that's taking place. I would say it's not being positioned necessarily as pure orchestration. When you see that and you hear about it, it, you know, it is a, let's say payment orchestration. You see a lot of players that build the tools and, you know, you hit those with APIs or whatever it might be to build out that experience that you need within your software and can take on a lot of that. I think there's the commerce overlay on top of the orchestration aspect of that allows us to evolve in a world where we can focus on more so the experience with the underlying orchestration being a part of that as needed, right, for any one audience. And so although it requires orchestration in order for, you know, us to perform from an experience perspective, I would say that, you know, we will probably go a step beyond just being an orchestrator and saying, here, here are all the tools, go and do what you wish with them, right? Right, right. Okay. What would you say differentiates your company from your competitors out there? Yeah, I can take this. I think at this stage of the company and where we are, where we really stand apart is UX. I think UX 
coming in with a modern platform, right? We're, we're not beholden to any legacy systems at this stage and hopefully never will. <laughs> but being able to marry up a, again, seamless commerce experiences with a focus on UX and a very flexible, adaptable, modular platform that is effectively SaaS at its core with a focus on SaaS, I think is going to be where we differentiate. It's where we've seen I guess some early traction that we've had with customers within our portfolio and some conversations we're having outside of it. Ben, anything to add to that? Yeah, you know, being in this industry for a long time, being in software my whole career, some of what I've seen in, you know, in, in my past five years doing a lot of consulting work with large entities and building up payfacts in the past and that is as much as it is the software and what Brian just described, there's a lot of opportunity to differentiate, if you will, when it comes to the actual operations and even the point of the first contact with prospect and you know going through the discovery process. And one of the things that we do have expertise in and bring to the table at scale is the operational side of, of product on through to you know everything else that you can imagine. And so I see opportunity not only in differentiating from a, a, a positioning and a SaaS perspective, but I also see a lot of opportunity differentiating in how we work with those entities from a discovery perspective, what that model looks like, what the process looks like, and really taking in that information to help feed product market fit, to help feed solving the problems that are out there and, and really discovering where our opportunities lie in the future with certain verticals or you know certain technologies. And so I think it's multi-pronged when it comes to how you build up a company and build up the opportunity to serve those customers all the way through the value chain and you know kind of a, a full 360 degree view. And I think that's going to help attribute to not only the software, but the entire infrastructure that we've built. Okay. Yeah, I want both of you to answer the next question, but Ben, I'll, I'll stick with you. Where do you see the payments industry heading in, say, the next two to three years? Yeah, that's a great question. And, um, you know, a lot of fun reading out there as well. A lot of opinions. You know, I, I would say one of the things that I'm most interested in, in watching and looking at is, in, you know, we've been in a pandemic and we've seen a massive shift in what's taken place there with, you know, digital transactions and even the way that, you know, everyone performs their daily tasks. You know, moving now into a world where, you know, if you read the news, we're, we're different opinions on the recessionary side of this, the inflation side of this and everything else that's happening. And so I think there's going to be a lot of shift and change. You know, when I look at that and say, well, what's going to take place? There are going to be a tremendous number of entities that are really having to buckle down, look at how they perform within the business sector and, you know, being through some of the past recessions of sorts or challenges that we've faced in the market. And, you know, this one being as global as any. I think we're going to see a lot of that take place where you're going to have folks starting to look at who they're paying and how they're paying and, you know, what kind of bottom line they have and things are going to get tightened. At the same time, when you look at that, the outcome of that is, you know, hearing the stories around crypto and everything that's taking place there at the same time, balancing that with those that have, you know, contacted us or things you're reading in the industry around crypto opportunities within places like retail, right? So it's, it's an interesting world we live in because if you, you know, from a basic perspective, people will say crypto's dead, right? If you don't know much about it. And then you have others that are saying, Hey, I think there are great opportunities in retail to go and solve some challenges that we may face, globalization, other things that would be well served there. So it'll be interesting to follow that, you know, that dialogue over the next few years. Uh, I still think that, you know, just pure, I would say, embedded finance, right? Big buzzword right now and will continue to be a buzzword throughout the next two to three years. You know, as we look at what that means and how that affects different, you know, opportunities, but also how we can make that experience much more seamless than it has been in the past. Sure. Brian, your perspective? Yeah, what I'm predicting, you know, for the next couple of years, it is really a trend that's that's already started, it'll just continue in strength, which is low code, no code 
solutions, right? Solutions actually work. <laughs> you know, there's a lot that claim to be low code and no, or no code and, and ends up being a full blown custom project build, right? But being able to actually really make good on that promise of being able to launch and commercialize rapidly without having to have a full blown engineering team. I see that as a continued trend. Businesses in a box. I think more and more vendors will begin offering experiences and capabilities that you can take off the shelf. And that's definitely a focus for, for commerce. And I think other companies out there that have also kind of started going down that path. I think back to my time consulting at Starbucks, we were creating a Starbucks in a box for franchisees or what they refer to as licensees. So if you go to an you know, airport, that's a licensee. There was a, a miss when it came to technology and the experience that you would get at a corporate store. Not to belabor on that, but similarly, you know, I think that there are a variety of businesses and capabilities that you could place effectively in a box and deploy at scale. And I think more and more businesses and vendors will take part in that. Cashierless technology. And so you're seeing Amazon's Go product. I think they, along with Starbucks, has done some similar takes on that cashierless approach. I think more companies will look to that, you know, per Ben's comment around some of the learnings around the pandemic and the shift in, in how consumers are, are interacting with businesses. I think you'll see more of that coming up here in the next couple of years, using this recession to an extent as a is a reset or an opportunity to do a retro on what was learned during the pandemic. I think more companies hopefully will take time to look at that and figure out where we go from here. A lot of good from during that period of time, a lot of misses as well. And then, you know, lastly, I, I think embedded finance, embedded banking, and being able to place those in customer experience or UI that is uh, homegrown by a particular client. I think being able to embed those experiences and, and make it their own will be definitely something that companies continue to pursue here for the next two or three years. You are probably familiar with the words buy now, pay later, how it has grown exponentially over the past couple of years and is still one of the hottest trends in payments. It's become a norm for retailers to provide a buy now, pay later payment option for their customers, many of whom no longer want to use credit cards for larger purchases. Business leaders are tasked with finding a payment solution that offers a seamless digital customer experience that results in increased sales. Citizens Pay is a buy now, pay later solution created by citizens that helps retailers drive sales and increase loyalty by providing customers with transparent installment financing, longer repayment terms, and a dedicated line of credit for repeat purchases. It's also optimized for merchants looking to offer a payment option to consumers with more mature and sophisticated purchases in mind, like a new living room set, fitness equipment, or a kitchen appliance. With Citizens Pay, merchants have the security of a leading national bank and an omni-channel platform designed to streamline the buying process. If you want to learn more about Citizens Pay, follow the link in our bio or visit citizenspay.com backslash podcast, where you can find additional information about Citizens Pay and the Buy Now, Pay Later payment model. This podcast is part of a paid partnership between Citizens Pay and the Leaders in Payments podcast. Well, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about your backgrounds a little bit. So, Ben, we'll we'll start with you. If you don't mind, tell us your journey, how you became the CTO there. Yeah. So, I mean, as mentioned, I've been in software my entire career. 
have, you know, kind of, I guess, started in HP, Hewlett Packard and, and built out their digital platform for retail to essentially not only deliver retail content when the, you know, when the web was evolving and retail was up for uh, a question of whether it would exist, you know, by way of brick and mortar, you know, the pendulum swing on that end. And we ultimately building that up and then creating a, you know, the first store within a store at retail where we actually own the content and could make changes to the content. That doesn't sound too exciting today, but back then it was, uh, you were not to touch another retail site. So, so that was built up. That was a lot of fun. And, you know, I think that really just, you know, with the passion for disruptive innovation and, you know, just generally software evolving the way it was, I think that's kind of what kicked me into gear to do some other things. And so, you know, I've always done startups on the side. I have more or less been involved in startups, uh, one, because I'm passionate about it. And two, because it allows me in my mind to see technologies or learn about markets that I otherwise wouldn't see in, you know, in like a large corporate environment, for instance. So I think the balance between, you know, large corporations and startup mentality is, is really, really helpful as we look at how you attack the product market fit from a problem solving perspective, as well as, you know, where technology is going and how that might help and shift things. So that's been a kind of a core tenet of what I've done. Moving forward, worked for the largest nonprofit software company in the world, BlackBot, and that was there to help serve multiple markets across the globe. I was in charge of of their communications platform and then ultimately their payment platform that we built out from scratch. And that was essentially back then was not called this, but um, became what is, you know, a payfac and uh, process billions of dollars. And so a lot of learnings from that, a lot of excitement and a lot of challenges that was, you know, a lot of regulation was changing, everything was going on. So it allowed me to see the world from all perspectives, if you will, and growing that business globally. So from there, I uh, went out and essentially started my own business, Innovations Realized, and that was done to, I think, work with those that I was you know, helping in the nonprofit arena, or sorry, the, um, the startup arena and some in the nonprofit arena. And I actually started a software innovation lab down in Tijuana, Mexico. Being I'm in San Diego, that was a, a small buzz around here around working with uh, nearshore development resources um, when needed. And so built that up. That's still moving today. I think they're probably about 100, 100 developers strong today across uh, Mexico and south of that. And I then went into the consulting world for a while and worked with some large entities on that end. So, you know, a lot of background in different worlds. And Aptech just seemed, you know, like the right fit at the time. We were working and talking through some of their their evolution and into the SaaS platform they have. Love the fact they have a, a really strong IP uh, patent portfolio. That That's exciting to me. And, you know, it allows us to build upon the core tenets of, of who Aptech is and who they have been, which is, you know, they believe in technology, they believe in, in the evolution of that. And we're here to put that to use by way of um, transformation to the SaaS aspects and everything else. So that's where I just saw it as a natural fit. I will say the other advantageous aspect to this is strong leadership at Aptech coupled with the ability to bring many of those that were working with me on the consulting side to the table and actually where most of us are, are here now uh, working at Aptech. And we've expanded upon that with uh, those in the industry that we've known for a long time that have done, you know, tremendous things and, and really built up enterprise level solutions at scale. And so, um, you know, it's a human business here and, and having the ability to work with those that you trust and those that you know have been successful on many endeavors in the past has been a treat to say the least. Okay. And Brian, your background? Yeah, similar to Ben here, uh, my entire career has been in software with a focus on fintech, though an even split between consumer and, and business products. Been in the business for 22 years. I was first headhunted by First Data out of college to serve as a commerce consultant where I cut my teeth on matching uh, customer problems to technology that was delivered by First Data and Wells Fargo Merchant Services at the time. And then spent a good chunk of years uh, 
consulting for as an independent consultant for a number of governments and we'll call it probably a little less interesting government applications. But then quickly uh, after a few years of that got pulled back into fintech pretty heavily started off consulting about 10 little over 10 years ago with starbucks and helped them launch the first version of mobile order and pay i was a part of a tiger team that was formed there and i consulted there for a number of years and then spent some time at t-mobile helped them reinvent their mobile application as well as my t-mobile which is their customer service portal if you will and then moved over to tmobile.com to help them kind of revamp the site, revamp the checkout experience, and then split some time at Microsoft as well as F5 Networks as a part of a team over there helping with a, a large acquisition. And then was eventually, after a number of years, you know, 10 years uh, serving those enterprise clients, I was working with Ben and, and on some startups and had some experience there. I helped uh, found and exit a venture-backed blockchain company. And right around that time, met up with Ben and you know, we talked about working together and trying to really progress some opportunities in fintech. And you know, the opportunity with Aptep came along to jump on there and be a part of the uh, executive management consulting team that Ben had formed. And just came to love uh, what Aptech was doing and the the vision and the IP and uh, the team that was being formed around Aptech as a part of this transformation and came on as the SVP of product. Again, my career you know, squarely in product management, you know, being able to come on and take a leadership position and really start to grow a team to deliver on some of these promises that we're making to the market and to ourselves as far as what type of innovation we wanted to put out in the market. Okay. So this last question, I always like to get different people's perspective because I think we all have our own sort of life experiences and business experiences. And, and so, Ben, I'll, I'll start with you on this one. And you guys both know that the, even the word fintech wasn't around 20 years ago and, you know, the payments industry has come a long way. And I think one of the things that's different now is that People can actually take courses in college about fintech. It's an industry that people think about building a career. I mean, when I started, I kind of fell into the industry and never never figured out how to get out. So I, I think a lot of kids these days, they graduate college, they look at the industry and say, hey, I'm, I'm interested in you know payments, fintech. So the question is, what is your advice to them? What would you tell them that they should do to be successful in this industry? Sure. Great question. And um, I love the teaching moment, if you will, when it comes to, you know, interesting others in an industry that's so dynamic. I would even step it up a notch from fintech payments and, and you know, even say it's it's commerce, right? It's it's what it's what moves the globe and moves the world when it comes to, you know, interacting. You know, there's an element of this for pretty much everything we do. And so um, it's exciting. And, you know, one of the things that I would say is it is, like I mentioned, dynamic and, you know, it's ever changing. And so those that I know in the industry have grown up in the industry with and are still here are here because I would say you wake up and it's, you know, there's always something new. There's always something different that keeps driving towards change. There's no, you know, stagnation, if you will, when it comes to uh, what we're learning. I would say it's, you know, you want to be a, a lifetime learner, right? I mean, there's, for that reason, you're never going to know everything <laughs> in this space, Um and for that reason, being around those that are experts in certain fields or functions of this space, as well as just continuing to read and learn um, and listen, attend conferences, whatever it is, has is, is been absolutely phenomenal for myself and others that I know in the industry. 
And, you know, just be prepared to uh, dive in and, and learn where you can and really, you know, just consume yourself with it and find those mentors, find those that you trust and believe in, um, reach out to those and, you know, in the industry that you feel would be a good support network for yourself. And that's, I mean, everyone needs that. And, and uh, that's been great. I mean, I'll kind of close with this, which is the excitement of this industry equates to money 2020 this year after uh, the pandemic. So I hadn't been in a few years and getting back there and, and it's almost what is it? 12 or 15,000 people are there. And yet it feels like a family reunion. You know, you get back there and there are those that you've seen or haven't seen in, you know, five, 10, 15 years. But when you get there, it's, it's really, really cool to see everyone together and, and really have some deep dive conversations and learn from them as well as they're learning from, from others, you know, so it's an exciting space. And I'd say it's, it's, it's a great career. And to your point, you know, seeing it hit the classes online, college classes and everything else is, is just showcasing how much of an industry it really is and how much it's grown up. Yeah. Yeah, Brian, your perspective? Yeah, I think Ben made a good point here is is really just immersing yourself, right, in this industry, in an industry that you want to be an expert at, right? I'll add more explicitly mentors. I think, you know, having mentors in this industry and again, any industry, personally, professionally, I think is just of the utmost importance, right, to be able to learn from people that have done it, make sure that, you know, you're trying to lean out that that learning curve as much as possible, right? Flatten it, I think is just absolutely imperative, right? To really just kind of learn and continue to grow with the help of others that have done it before. I'd also add in there, you know, I think don't try to do everything yourself. <laughs> There's, again, a lot of people that have done this before, do the reading. You know, if you start to build out some technology, you have the, you have the benefit of going into an organization and and being a part of the product team or any facet, the operations team, marketing team, make sure you understand that you don't have all the answers again and, and to learn from your competitors, to learn from, again, your mentors, um, your colleagues, do the reading, do the homework, you know, again, just to kind of overlay, come over the top of what Ben was mentioning. And then really, I think being able to become that expert on your customer and their pain points is just is invaluable, right? If you don't know <laughs> what their pain is and you're just out there solutioning or creating features, you're going to fail pretty quickly. And then on that topic, right? Don't be afraid to fail. I think too many people get caught up in perfection. Your first couple ideas, your first couple companies you work with, you will be lucky, you know, if you break even, right? Or if you even get a return on investment from what you've built. So be okay to make mistakes and learn from those mistakes would be another takeaway. Yeah, I think that's all great advice. I, I love the way you guys kind of took it to something broader than just payments and fintech, right? It's really commerce. I mean, you, if you think about what this industry really does, it, it is commerce and that's that's a global thing, right? It's huge. And, you know, I'm a huge believer in mentors. I do, we talk about that a lot in, in some of the other things that we do on this podcast. And, and I think that whole failing fast kind of thing too is some great advice. Well, we've covered a lot about the company, the industry, you guys and your backgrounds. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? I'll just throw out there. I, I look to other folks in the industry, people getting into the industry of fintech, right? Those folks that are already in it, those companies that are out there succeeding, and even those companies out there that are failing. We're an open book here. You know, I like to say that we're open source and knowledge and, and opportunity. So, you know, if there's anyone out there listening that is interested in, again, really progressing fintech and, and commerce, you know, as we, we call commerce with an S for a variety of reasons is a, is a part of our, the name of our platform and our brand promise. 
And so if there's folks out there that really want to, again, you know, progress in fintech, we're open to collaborating and you know, learning and, and sharing what we have. And we look forward to you know, seeing folks you know, at places like uh, Money 2020 and, and uh, you know, other you know, forums, if you will, to really just, again, kind of collaborate and you know, tackle all sides of the customer problems that we're seeing out there. Yeah, it was well said, Brian. I think partnership is, is key in this space and kind of what we, you just hit on probably hits on multiple ways of partnering and, and having discussions. But, uh, you know, that's a big part of this space is making sure that, you know, we have strong partnerships. You know, you can't do everything in this space and, and do it all perfectly. There are plenty of companies and folks that, uh, you know, have been involved in certain aspects of this. You know, if you think about, for instance, you know, how do you handle the fraud aspects of the business that are ever evolving, right? There are companies that are handling that from a, an ML perspective and everything else that are so important to this business, but yet going at it alone isn't going to give you the opportunity to see what's taking place and, and really growing it with those key partnerships. So um, we're constantly looking at that, uh, that model of the kind of the build by partner type model around how we progress because there is, you know, fintech is a big word, right? It means a lot. And, it, and you know, commerce even bigger than that. And those experiences matter. And so constantly evaluating how we how we approach things and, and who we work with to um, help solve some of the biggest problems. Okay. All right. Well, Ben, Brian, thank you so much for being on the show today. I know your time is very valuable, so I really appreciate you being here. It's been a pleasure. Really appreciate it, Greg. Greg, thanks so much for having us. Absolutely. And to all you listeners out there, I thank you for your time as well. And until the next story. Thank you for joining us this week on the Leaders in Payments podcast. Make sure you visit our website at leadersinpayments.com where you can subscribe to the show and where you'll find our show notes. If you enjoyed listening, please share on your social channels as well. 